Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. Welcome to Grilling at the Green After Hours, conversation that took place after the broadcast ended. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey everybody, welcome to After Hours here on Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. We got Jim Myers with us. Uh, in between shows, we've been talking about meat and cooking. Go figure. Somebody's talking to us about cooking. Um, but Jim knows what he's talking about there too. He likes tri tip and yeah, tri tips like the cut. Yeah. I was uh, just, you know, obviously just telling you about uh, my fa- my friend Billy Broman uh, in the Bay Area, California. He, uh, we were living in Vail, Colorado, and he taught me uh, how to cook the tri tip for the mm-hmm. first time. And man, uh, being a Midwest uh, boy living in Vail and uh, mixing it in with uh, a guy from uh, California, it was uh, it was a treat. And yeah. I've always cooked tri tips since then. So. Yeah, you got to have tri tips. I mean, you got to work pretty hard to screw it up. Yeah. You know, really, because it kind of will cook itself. If you just do what you do to it and leave it alone, it'll be fine. Yeah. You know, although I have seen a few charred ones come out, but very <laughs> seldom. Just got to do that. Um, okay. Back to golf for a minute, Jim. What, give us your take on where the golf industry is right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Um, with the COVID-19 that started, um, you know, um uh, a lot of the governor, uh, governors around the United States basically said that, uh, um, you know, golf is going to be your only, uh, you know, route of exercise and, and, uh, escape from, you know, the, the COVID-19. And Mm -hmm. it's amazing how fast that, uh, um, golf grew in the last year. Um, obviously it's grown at our club. Our members are using our club more, um, it's grown at the public, uh, golf courses. Um, they're packed. It's tough to get a tee time. Um, it's nice because you can get exercise. You're outside sure. walking. You can social distance. Um, you know, so it's just crazy uh, how much uh, golf has grown. Um, I'm a hockey guy. I grew up playing hockey and, sure. as a kid, and uh, uh, this is the longest I've ever gone without playing hockey. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a contact sport, so the governor is basically saying we have to be in phase two um, before we can get back out on the ice again. So um, I think uh, if there's individuals that are like myself out there, um, they're playing a lot more golf this year. So oh, really, sure. I mean, on the positive side, this COVID has really kind of grown the game and uh, I've gotten a lot more people involved. More people are playing golf than they, they have in the last uh, year. Um, I think it's great for uh, the industry. It's great for uh, the Golf Course Superintendents Association of America and the PGA yeah. Yeah. Um, and all the local associations. Uh, we had um, GVS, Gary Van Sickle, from formerly of Sports Illustrated and now of Morning Read and Gary's pretty frequent on the show and he was saying how we actually the he framed it like COVID-19 caused a renaissance in golf because 
um, he lived in Pennsylvania, or he lives in Pennsylvania, and they couldn't get on the courses for all. We could, but mm-hmm. yet our neighbors to the north in Washington couldn't. And mm-hmm. Michigan, that lady had everything locked down pretty tight, the governor there. But um, but Gary, being of sound mind some days, like he is, he drove, you know, he would drive over to uh, West Virginia or something to play, you know, or he was always covering a golf match. So he got to play a lot. But that's what we did here. A lot of people came down from Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And and played like that, but Gary's question was, okay, now you've got the baby boomers, which is my generation. You're a little young for that, mm-hmm. but what do we do when we run out of baby boomers? Well, I mean, I kind of think with this COVID nineteen, it's it's opened it up to golf has opened up to uh, all ages. You know, um, you're seeing younger groups play, um, you're, or younger individuals play. Um, I think it's uh, it's actually going to grow the game quite a bit. So right. again, as I said, that you know, if any any positives you can find, this is a great positive for golf. Um, you see all ages out there playing golf now, and uh, you know, um, it's becoming more of a family thing. We have a, uh, a short uh, course, our par three Mason course, uh, on our property, and I've right. seen a lot more moms and dads with the kids out there um, because it's a good activity to get the kids out of the house and uh, get them to be able to play. So. I'm hoping that's actually going to grow the game a little bit more for uh, for the future. Sure. How much do you get to play now? Well, yeah, my job is uh, is God. I I spend a lot of time um, maintaining the golf courts. I wish I could play more during the winter. Is actually my kind of time to play. Um, you know, I usually take an overseas trip every year. Um, I usually take three weeks and go play golf with my friends somewhere in Asia and. Uh, um, I do play a couple of rounds throughout the summer. I like to, you know, um, kind of engage with some members. So I'll play a couple of nine holes um, here and there. But uh, I have a, a three-year-old, um, yeah. and uh, it's tough. So if I'm not at work, I'm usually trying to uh, to help at the household somewhat. So, um, But uh, I'm trying to get a little bit of, of rounds in. I'm looking forward to this winter um, to play a lot more golf. Don't know if I'll be playing in Asia this year or or uh, anywhere, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, well, you know, it's... I can see where anybody that works at the club, from the superintendent on down to the the kid that shags the bag for you there when you pull your car up, if, if in fact, you offer that service, there's no time. You know, I always knew the lure was, okay, kid, you come work for us and, and blah, 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 and you get to play as much golf as you want, but you can't get a tee time, yeah. you know, yeah. until 15 minutes before dark, <laughs> you know, type of thing. So I think people have, have you know, kind of made adjustments in their schedule to be able to do that. But yeah. it seems like everybody that from general managers to pro shop people, so on and so forth, every time you ask them, they say, well, I really don't. I don't play. And yeah. David Stead from Langdon told me he was on the show a few weeks ago, and he said, "I, uh, I don't think I've really played a whole round in like two years." <laughs> oh, geez, I'm not years. that bad. Yeah, I'm pretty passionate about the game. I love playing golf. Um, you know, I, I love trying to play as much as I possibly can. I think the one thing with being a golf course superintendent too is uh, the fact that it's hard to play your own golf course. You know, um, you're looking at all the things that you should be doing, the things that didn't get done or what you need to be doing next week. I think uh, it's always kind of nice to go to somebody else's golf course. Um, 
when you go play another guy's golf course, uh, usually you uh, you kind of look around the first three holes and then you kind of lose focus on that and you actually start to focus on your game. I feel like I usually play better playing somebody else's golf course than playing my own golf course. I really... If I'm trying to play my golf course, I really have to close my mind off and just really focus on my game. And it's amazing, like how much of the game is mental. Oh, yeah. um, I can I can actually sh- um, score better uh, if I if I just pay attention to my shot and I pay attention to my pre-shot routine and think about what I'm doing and not focusing on what I need to be fertilizing next week or why didn't that get mowed. <laughs> so no, I I didn't mean to laugh i it's i have those same i don't think about fertilizing a golf course but my mental acuity is not what it used to be as far as pre-shot routine or anything you yeah know, i kind of i do about half of it <laughs> then i go okay i'm just gonna hit it then i skull it or something like that um is there a uh a, a superintendent or a golf course that you look to, that you really like, that you've patterned some of your decisions after, you know, Pinehurst, um, Beth Page, whatever, yeah. doesn't yeah. matter. But if you've been around enough. Yeah. Um, you say, I really like the way they did that there. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, like you said, we were talking earlier, I've been really fortunate. I've played golf on five continents and I don't know, well over 20 countries. And I've played a ton of different golf courses out there. From South Africa to Vietnam, and but the one course I always go back to, and the one thing that uh, I always kind of like is um, is Oakland Hills in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in the area. Oakland Hills was the best golf course in the area. Um, it was something I always inspired to. Anytime I was on property, I just thought it was amazing how well maintained the property was. Uh, Steve Cook uh, was the golf course superintendent there at the time. Um, he's now at uh, Medina, mm-hmm. um, but. Uh, yeah, you know, just watching Steve, what he's done over the years, how well he's been a golf course superintendent over the years, and uh, the courses that he's maintained has been really good. Um, so, yeah, if I kind of want to emulate anything, it's uh, Oakland Hills, just at how well and manicured the golf course was at all times. And they've go. hosted a lot of events over the years, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, they're kind of like, <clears throat> um, I don't know, Riverside or... Or I mean Riviera, or uh, like I said, Pinehurst, and and some of those that are just iconic courses. You know, they're they're all tough. Yeah, they're all tough. They'll all whoop your butt if yeah. you're not paying attention. Which my attention span when usually when I, remember when I played Valhalla, I went, wow. I just kept looking. <laughs> they go, it's your turn to hit. Uh huh. <laughs> I was just like enamored with the place because I like the South. Yep. And I like the older architecture. Yeah, for sure. You know, like that. And I like the older trees, even though they don't like me. I do like them, yep. you know. Um, and, and you know, that kind of aesthetic and atmosphere. Um, and I just, I just fell in love with the place, you know. But I wasn't paying attention to my game. Yeah. You know, I was just playing. Yeah. yeah. So now you get back to where I was. It's really tough. Like, you know, you go play a new golf course, you're looking at uh, the golf course and you're not really focusing on your game. Right. So it's amazing. Like, I got to imagine even professional players are in that same boat. You know, they go play a golf course for the first time. You know, they might get a practice round in or one or two, you know, before, but... Um, I'm sure they kind of get lost a little bit if they're really passionate about the sure. game. They probably get lost a little bit in the golf course, the ambiance, or, you know, 
um, how the course plays than paying attention to their game. So I don't know. That might be not true. You know, maybe they're just so focused that they, you know, are they're focused on the game. But that would be a great question if you ever interview a, a professional player. Ask them, hey, do you ever get in a situation where you're kind of at awe by the golf course and you kind of yeah. get lost in your in your game of what you're trying to do on the on the golf course? Well, some of them I have talked to, and they the older ones the senior tour guys and above mm-hmm. they will they will talk about that a yeah. little bit you know they will say yeah you know and they know all the courses because they've been around for a jillion years you know and they've played them all yeah. at least three or four times you know so they go yeah over number six on this and and blah 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 you know it's so great and the water and the setting and the moss on the trees or whatever you know and then um i think the younger guys have an appreciation for it too but a lot of them haven't made the entire rounds, you know what yeah, I mean, and all at yeah. uh, all the properties that they yeah. play on. So. Yeah, I had uh, the opportunity to meet Gary Player one time, and it was just really interesting to hear Gary talk about uh, his youth and how he kind of uh, grew up playing and uh, some of the challenges he faced, right. you know, traveling and being from South Africa and having to travel and uh, you know all over the the world and uh, to be competitive and and win um lots of majors obviously and lots of events but it's just interesting hearing his stories and how he thought about the golf courses and how he felt so. yeah and he was always packing a wife and kids with him a lot of times too. yeah, yeah. He, i know he's made some comments about that you know it wasn't easy a wife and i don't know if he had two or three kids i don't remember yeah. but you know and the airlines weren't they were a little more conducive to some things in those days yeah but you couldn't do that now yeah you know, they wouldn't let you on with all the gear, the baby gear you need, you know, if you got three kids. I mean, we had a hell of a time just traveling with our daughter when she'd go to road trips with me. So I hear you on that. We uh, we took my daughter uh, twice to Hong Kong, uh, first at one and a half, second time at uh, three. And uh, flying overseas with a little one is, is pretty interesting. So. Uh, How much hate mail did you get from the back? <laughs> I didn't get any hate mail. Uh, this last trip that we did to Hong Kong, uh, my uh, daughter did really well. It was amazing. She stayed up late. She was watching videos. She really kind of enjoyed the plane. Uh, uh, Juju and I were both really shocked at how uh, how well she traveled. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of yeah. interesting. Uh, kids adapt pretty well. Yeah, so. they do. Our daughter, I remember we were coming home. We'd been on the road for a couple, three weeks doing stuff in the Midwest and and the kid was with us, and she was real small. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was a toddler. She wasn't a infant, yeah. you know, like that. And this really nice lady was sitting next to us. Um, and she was, the flight from that point was from Denver to Portland. Yeah. And um, the kid was fussing a little bit, but not, not screaming or anything. Yeah. She was just kind of whimpering, you know. Yeah. She had come to find out she had a little ear infection, so oh, there was yeah. pressure and yeah. stuff. You know, that's like got to be tough on kids. Oh, yeah. So this lady took her, and I just remember, she just, this is a dad thing. So if you're not a dad, sorry. But, you know, just put her, put the, the baby in, she's there. And she had evidently the softest hands or the right motion because yeah. she did that and let Merce look out the window on her shoulder and the lady just kept rubbing her back and kind of cooing to her. That kid fell asleep. Not a peep out of her for the two and a half hours from here to Denver. So, That's perfect. Uh, yeah. It's amazing. Um, I've flown on uh, Korean Air 
And uh, I don't know what the story is there. With the, the training must be phenomenal with the flight attendants. I've flown on that airline so many times, and it's amazing how well they cater to you know the kids right. um, that are traveling and the parents, and just try to uh, um, you know just make sure everybody's happy on the flight, especially long flights. You're talking you know. 12-hour flights sometimes, you know, so it's amazing how well that airlines does really, really good with the kids. So it's always interesting traveling with little ones. And as you said, if there's any dads uh, that uh, have to go through that, uh, it can be done. It can be done. And I'll tell you, a story like yours, flying to um, Saudi Arabia uh, to Riyadh and left JFK. It was interesting because the uh, flight attendants had kind of an Americanized version of a uniform on, you yeah. know, and you could see their faces and mm-hmm. all this, and they were very chippy and, and chirpy and really nice. You get on the plane, and as soon as we were wheels up, they all disappeared for a minute. And they come back, and then they had um, more traditional garb uh, for a Saudi woman on. The interesting thing was, is guys got on the plane with their kids. They just kind of gave the stewardess their kids <laughs> and said, take care of them until we get to to uh, land. Yeah. And that's, I was really kind of like, that's really odd. Uh-huh. You know, what would you do if you had 50 kids on a plane, you know, God forbid, <laughs> and, and you you had five stewardesses, you know. Yeah. So I just thought that was a real interesting thing. I was in the back with the goats and the... Well, it sounds like we've both traveled quite a bit for golf, and uh, so it's uh, it's always kind of interesting. Um, you know, I think with this COVID-19, it will really change travel. Uh, right. I mean, it already has, but it'll be interesting. You know, I think uh, everybody wants things to go back to normal, um, but uh, hopefully it changes and we do get back to normal so we can all travel and yeah. play golf at different golf courses, whether it's in the United States or outside of the country. Yeah. yeah. It'd be nice. Where do you see yourself in 10 years, Tim? Um, yeah, hopefully I'm still at, uh, Columbia Edgewater. Um, I would love to retire from there. Um, it's, uh, I think just a wonderful club. The membership is phenomenal. Um, you know, uh, my daughter's three, so if I can go 15 more years and retire, that would be my goal. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, uh, so yeah, I would like to hopefully host a lot more LPGA events, um, you know, and, uh, um, hopefully offer a great product to the membership in the future. Sure. Maybe we'll even come up with some sort of tournament here locally Yeah, that could be televised. You yeah. never know what, what could happen out there. Yeah. You just don't know. Um, Jim, thank you for yeah. being with us today. Cheers. JT, it was really fun coming yeah. in. It's uh, always interesting. Uh, you know, you asked, uh, you know, what are some of the things that uh, superintendents got to endure and this is always uh, something new. Um, yeah. I think superintendents uh, don't get a chance to do much media and, uh, this year, I've actually got a chance to do quite a bit of media, so it was kind of nice. But uh, this is probably my fun- funnest one I've done so far. Well, thank you. I thank think you. you and I are on the same page yeah. on a lot of things. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. On the telecast, they always go, well, we like to think, you know, Jim Myers and his staff, man, they did a bang-up job this week. We really appreciate it. That's it. Yeah. You know, then they're on to somebody else. And it's all a, you know, mark for time, and we know what that is. But on this show, you get to actually sit and talk and yeah. relax and kind of say, yeah, some real things. It's kind so. of fun. So thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Not a problem. And um, anytime you need any barbecue advice, just let me know. Yeah, well, I've got a new barbecue going in, new putting green, and new backyard. So I'm moving to your house. I'm taking you up on that for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, well, let's see. Who have we got coming up in the next couple? We've got Jerry Foltz coming up. Uh, yeah. 
and Jerry will be here, and I'm trying to think. We have somebody else on the books, too. Two or three. Uh, John Hawkins will be back this fall uh, a little bit later, and so we've got a few things coming your way, and uh, after that, who knows? So thanks for being with us. Thank you for being with us this week here on Grilling at the Green After Hours, and we'll be back next week with another show. Take care, everybody. <music>